Merry Christmas. Can you believe it? I mean, really? Like a week from today? Can you believe that? Yeah. How many of you have gotten power tools for Christmas at some point and you like that? How many of you know that as much as I want them this year, you should not give me power tools for Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so true. If you don't have one of these outlines, which I did prepare for you, which could be helpful, uh, ushers are here to, uh, to get one of those to you. <clears throat> hey, thanks so much for being here and participating at Evergreen uh, this morning. And uh, please come back this next weekend to our Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve services. Do not come back next Sunday morning at this time. Uh, it'll be lonely here. You're welcome, but it'll be lonely here. And you'll notice that the service times uh, are all in the afternoon and the evening. Well, uh, the last time I used the power tool was uh, when we moved here to Hillsboro a few years ago. I moved into Orenco. I uh, <clears throat> got out my big monster um, drill, and I went to the garage because I needed to put some little holes in studs so that I could put the big hooks for bike racks in. Some of you have done that in your garage, yeah. And so uh, I got the stud finder out because I'm really quite sophisticated at this stuff, and I could not find the stud at all in the ceiling of the garage. And so I did what some of you do. I took a big old honking drill bit and I stuck it in my big old honking power drill and I started drilling holes in the sheetrock. Because eventually you'll find the stud, right? So that all worked well, providing a little little ventilation that the garage didn't have until all of a sudden I hit something and my joy turned to pain because all of a sudden metal flakes started coming down on my face. Who would have known? Our house is made out of metal studs. Who would have known? And encouraged me to put the power tools away. Yeah. I felt a little better when, uh, when some of our friends moved to town. Uh, and uh, I promised that this story would be anonymous. So it is. But, uh, when they moved into the apartment, uh, he was wanting to mount the TV up on the wall in the living room. And uh, he, much better than me, he actually found a stud, right, that he was going to put the bolts in. And so he got out his power drill. He's drilling the holes. And all of a sudden, he got blasted in his face with a geyser of water. He rushed over to turn the water off to the apartment to no avail. He put his thumb on the hole <laughs> until he was in so much pain that his wife put her thumb on the hole until it went numb. Finally, the superintendent came and told him that he had drilled into the main water for the sprinkling system for the apartment complex. Got the water turned off, and well, men and power tools. Yeah, yeah. So today we're talking about power tools, gifts of the Spirit power tools. And I, I just want to acknowledge right from the start that this topic bothers some of you. You just went from a little bit of humor to slight anxiety. Because you have, you have seen or you've heard of gifts of the Spirit being used by, mis, by, by, uh, by misused by some goofy people. Uh, let me just suggest to you, don't throw out the power tools because jerks like me happen to have misused them in the past. Uh, don't throw out gifts because you don't like the wrapper that you've seen them in in the past. We're going to be talking in this week leading up to Christmas in the continuing our series, uh, God uh, un, uh, Unto Us, talking about God Through Us. We've addressed God with us, God in us, and today God through us. And here's the big idea. God has gifted you to do his work in the world. This week, while you are scurrying around getting ready 
the last gifts, sending the last stuff, buying the last food, making the last arrangements, figuring out what you're going to do with those kids that actually are not at school this week. In the scurry and the hustle of this week, do not forget that God is giving you gifts, fresh gifts that he wants you to pass on in service to others. Let's set ourselves up for that success this week. I want to do three things. I want to do a quick flyover of what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. Second, I want to answer a couple of common questions. And then finally, I'm going to give you a challenge and interview uh, an evergreener in his story in the last few days. Let's jump in with an overview of spiritual gifts. I've listed here in your outline several of the major passages of the Bible about spiritual gifts, and so let's jump in and and address five aspects that can be helpful for us. Number one, a definition of spiritual gifts. Here it is. Spiritual gifts are abilities given by God to do His work. Now, God gives you two kinds of abilities. He gives you natural abilities, and He gives you spiritual gift abilities. Both of them are from God. Natural abilities is just kind of how you're wired. It's in your DNA. It's in your gene pool. It's how you've been developed over a lifetime. And God is behind how you were created. But you've noticed in your new creation with God that he gives you gifts of the Spirit, spiritual abilities. And you may have noticed that they often work together, your natural abilities and spirit abilities. We say this, God gave you gifts of natural abilities at birth. He gives you gifts of spiritual abilities at your second birth. And often together, they comprise who God has made you as a gift to others. Spiritual abilities are God's empowerment to do God's work. Secondly, the source of these gifts is is that they come from the triune God. God who expresses himself in spirit and Son and Father, notice these passages. First of all, sometimes they're attributed to the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Here, spiritual gifts are sourced by the Holy Spirit. Second, sometimes they are sourced by Jesus. Notice what Paul writes in Ephesians 4. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So here Jesus gives grace as another word for spiritual gifts to each of us. And third, sometimes these are attributed and sourced by God the Father. Notice what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Hmm. So we have the Spirit distributing gifts, Jesus giving gifts, the Father apportioning and placing gifts. It's the point is God in all of who God is is in the business of making sure that he gets gifts to you so that you can do his work. How in the world did Christianity go from a baby in a manger? Many of you came in off of the evergreen side. Did you notice the gift there with the manger, isn't it? Very cool. How, how did Christianity go from a baby in a manger to today well over 2 billion people gathering to worship God 
in Jesus' name. It happened because God came to live in you and gave you gifts to do his work. Now, why is this important for us to know that gifts came from God? Well, first of all, because God doesn't give bad gifts. The Bible's really clear. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. God doesn't give bad gifts. How many of you have ever gotten a bad gift? I mean, not from God, but from someone. Yeah. yeah. Audrey, your hand went right up. Is Brad near? Okay. <laughs> One family received a fruitcake from their neighbors. Nice gesture, but it was horrible, inedible. Went straight to the garbage. But mom, always the diplomat, wrote a kind thank you note to the neighbors and it said, thank you for the fruitcake. You can only imagine how long something like that lasts around here. Yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> and would you laugh out loud when you know I'm attempting to be funny? and lead the way. Steve, your effort to lead was valiant but forced. That joke may not make it to the next service, Brad. I don't know. God doesn't give bad gifts, only good ones. Second, this is important because spiritual gifts are from God, and you don't get to decide which ones you have. Now, this is quite counter to what some of you have grown up hearing and what some of your kids are hearing, that you can be anything you want to. I want you to know that I'm living proof that that is not true. It's a cultural philosophy, but it just doesn't cut the Jared muster. For example, I will never be a mother. I might wish it, dream it, Disney it, but it is not going to happen. Yeah. I will never be an NFL football player, though I think that I may have missed my call in it somewhere along the line. Yeah. I will never be recruited by Marley to join the band. <laughs> now, I am suggesting that you discover your spiritual gifts by practice and by trying some things out. Do it in an environment that won't kill anyone else and preferably harm them. But the best way we discover how God has gifted us is through trial and error. I've done this. The jury is in. Marley's not inviting me to sing. You don't know this about me, but I was quite the singer in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of you are expressing too much shock right now, and others of you were on the verge of horror. In fact, I sang in the choir, and I sang the lead role in, role in the Mikado, highbrow musical. Whew. None of you have ever asked me to come and do like a valogram singing thing to your loved one, Marley. Is Trial and error. Here's the point. We don't get to choose who we are. God has chosen how to gift each of us, and he only gives us good gifts. Hey, let's take a look at number three. The purpose of gifts, it's to serve others. Spiritual gifts are God-given abilities so that you're enabled to serve others effectively. Notice what Peter writes. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Paul writes to Ephesians, so Christ himself, he gave us apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So these are gifts that God gives to the church for what purpose? To equip us to build others up. So our job as pastors is not to do God's work while you sit in the stands and you watch and critique. And if you think we do good, applaud. 
We don't get much applause around here, I've noticed, yeah. Our job as pastors is to prepare you and to equip you so that you can be of service to others. Yeah, these gifts are given by Jesus. And notice why they are given. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for, would you say these two words with me? The common good. Well, the common good. That means commonly. That means like good for everyone that you encounter today. So spiritual gifts demonstrate the Spirit's presence in our lives. They're given the common good, so everybody that we bump into in life ends up being better and served. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to serve, and in them being served by you, they are stronger and better for it. Wow. Now, this is important because it lets us know that spiritual gifts are not given as spiritual merit badges. I go way back. I am ancient. And back in our little country church where I grew up, we had attendance badges. Mm. By the way, we don't do those anymore because not very many kids would qualify, right? But back in the day, we went 52. If you went to Sunday school 52 Sundays a year, you got an attendance badge. And if you did it, the next, some of you are, yeah, you're like me. You qualify for Social Security. You remember this. Some of it, in the next year, you get a bar to put under it. And if you wanted to be a really good Christian, you had lots of bars when you came to church. Spiritual badge. Now, some people have taken those kinds of kind of goofy practices, but they actually betray what is believed. When I am good enough, when I am mature enough, when I know enough, when I behave well enough, when my attitudes are what? Spiritual merit badges. Here's the deal. God made an audacious decision. He is going to gift you. If you are a Christ follower, the Spirit lives within you. He is gifting you. This is why sometimes spiritual gifts come out of packages that look kind of crinkled and bad. Because it is not a merit badge for what you've done or how mature you are. It is a gift of God coming through you. Now, I want you to notice that many of these passages in our flyover talk about gifts being used in the context of Christian gatherings like this one in the church. And of course, those are very important. But it is also equally obvious from Scripture that gifts of the Spirit are intended to be used outside in the community, which is a good thing because that's where you spend most of your life. And that's where most of the needs of people are going to be when you encounter them. This is modeled beautifully in the book of Acts, which talks about the first couple of decades of the church. And right in the opening chapters, some of you remember the story that Peter and the guys were going to the temple to pray, and they saw a man who was lame, and they healed him. And news began to scatter. And all of a sudden, a huge crowd gathered, and Peter preached, and several thousand people committed their lives in faith to Christ. And that story is replicated throughout the book of Acts. That story continues today. Her name was Jackie. She lives here in Portland, not a part of Evergreen. She uh, was going to uh, a large store uh, one day, and while she was going to get her stuff, she went past the prescription area. And she noticed that there was a woman who looked very sick that was leaning over on the counter. Jackie was just a new believer in Jesus, but she had an impression. It was 
thoughts that went through her mind that were a little different than usual, and then kind of a conviction in her heart. And the impression was, Jackie, go over and talk to her and pray for her. And Jackie did what 90% of us would have done, right? Uh, that was a bad idea. And uh, I would make a fool of myself if I did that. So she did her shopping. And on her way back toward the checkout counter, she looked over and she saw that the woman now was sitting in a chair and was bent over, obviously not feeling well at all. There was the impression, Jackie, go over and talk to her and pray for her. Jackie did what 80% of us would have done, checked out and headed for the door. (laughs) But she got to the door and the third time it was, Jackie, go over, introduce yourself, talk to her and pray for her. Well, she decided to be a martyr for Jesus and be a classic fool. And so she went over and she sat down next to the woman. She reached over, she took her hand and she said, I don't mean to intrude. My name is Jackie. I'm a Christian. It looks like you're really ill. I'd like to pray for you. The woman began to weep and she said, I have been so sick for so long. Jackie didn't do goofy. She just kept the woman's hand in hers, and she kept her eyes open and in a conversational way said, Lord Jesus, you love this woman so much. Would you show your care for her by healing her? Amen. They exchanged phone numbers, and Jackie went home. The next morning, she got a phone call from the woman, and the woman said, would you please come over to my house? I have something to tell you. And Jackie went and was introduced to the woman's husband who had stayed home from work that day because he wanted to meet this woman named Jackie. What had happened, Jackie's illness was such that she could only sleep for a few minutes at a time. And at points during the night, she had to take medication several times. That night, her husband realized that she had not woken up. He was afraid that she had died. He went over and he shook her and he woke her up and he said, how are you? How do you feel? And she said, I feel great. He said, you didn't take your pills tonight. She said, I slept through. I slept through the first time in several years. The couple were just weeping and they knew almost nothing about the gospel. Jackie's a new believer. She doesn't know very much. She could only tell them what she knew. And she said, I'm just here to tell you that God loves you And he wants you healed, not only on the outside, but the inside too. And just as he expressed his love for you, he wants to set you free from sin and give you a fresh start to live the life he has for you from now and through eternity. And that couple both committed their lives to Christ that day. Hmm. That's the book of Acts in 2017. It's, it's a Christian in whom God's Spirit lives who becomes aware of a human need and takes the risk to say, can I possibly be a gift giver of God's gifts through my life to you? I love the story of Jackie. And that's how God wants to use you this week. He wants to use you to bring gifts beyond your natural abilities, in service to others. Number four in our quick flyover is the nature of the gifts. You notice that there's many different kinds of gifts. They're diverse 
Each passage that we're about to notice contains a different set of lists suggesting that none of them include all of the gifts of the Spirit. It's my conviction that all of them together are not comprehensive. They're still just representative. But you've noticed on your outline that there's a list of 20 or 25 or so of these that come from these passages. They include these gifts, wisdom and knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostles and teachers and helping and guidance, administration, giving, martyrdom. Don't sign up for that one. (laughs) Songs and worship and prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, speaking, serving. Did you find yourself someplace in that list? Of course. God has gifted you many different gifts. They are diverse, and they're all needed because there's many kinds of needs that God is planning to meet. Fifth and final in our flyover, our attitude toward those gifts. We are told to earnestly desire the best gifts. Notice what Paul writes. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts... Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. What does eagerly desire mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word zilu, from which we get our English word zeal. It means to be intensely interested, to eagerly desire, to strive for. Let me ask you, what's somewhat something that you're currently intensely interested in? We needed more pre-marriage counseling before we got married. <clears throat> I misunderstood that marriage was something of a compromise. Two well-intended people, reasonably healthy, blending their lives together to create this new thing that brought the best out of both families' traditions into forming a new family. Any of you living that myth? <laughs> Only those of you that are not married. So our family had the tradition, the better tradition of opening our gifts. I'm open to compromise, loving sacrificially. Opening the gifts on Christmas Eve. Anne's family had a different tradition of waiting until Christmas morning. I assumed that like other things, we would like doing every other year. Or maybe half the gifts and half the gifts. But no, I discovered the first year that I was wrong and she was right. (laughs) Tradition in our household, now this will be our 40th Christmas together as a married couple, will be Christmas morning. (laughs) Some things are not open to compromise, they're just open to improvement. (laughs) But I remember back in the day, growing up in the farmhouse, that... By the time I was eight years old, I was the only kid still living at home. So I I remember that year, you know, our tradition was to put up the Christmas tree about two weeks before Christmas and gifts would start to come around it. And I came home from school every night and after dinner would sit in the tree and I took every gift that had my name on it and I would shake it and I would rattle it and I would smell it and I would feel it. And yes, before I opened the gifts, 
I had figured out what every gift was for me under the tree. That is desiring to know your gifts. Yeah, a prolonged, intentional, obnoxious pursuit. Zeal. Two times Paul writes to us, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And I want to challenge you right now. Most of us didn't even cross our mind this week to give specific attention in this Christmas season to passionately, intentionally focus on, God, I want spiritual gifts to give. We're not done, but my challenge to you is this week and all the craziness of the next seven days that are going to be going on, in the middle of this crazy week, would you build into your schedule every day, God, I want to be burning red hot with passion for gifts that you want to stir up in my life and fan into flame if they've gotten dormant, or gifts that you want to bring to my life this week to give to others as well. You are going to be a world changer as God gives you his week. Our attitude is to earnestly desire. So flyovers done. Let me answer a couple of common questions. The first one, does everyone have spiritual gifts? Well, the short answer is yes. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're gifted. And God makes sure that every person is gifted because he wants you to be of service to others. Notice what Paul writes. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. God has given you spiritual gifts to serve others to make a difference. The second common question, are gifts resident and permanent, or are they given as they're needed? Here's the spoil alert. Yes. <laughs> That's the short answer, both. On one hand, Paul uses the metaphor of the body, and he suggests that each of us are a different member. So we're not all an eye, we're not all an ear, we're not all a tongue. That would suggest that if you are an ear, you should probably stay being an ear. We need for you to be an ear. The metaphor itself suggests that there is a permanence about those. Different body parts, play your part. You have a gift. So you're a prophet or you're a leader or you're a helper. You're a healer. You're an administrator. You're a mercy giver. We depend on you to do those things. And so God has imparted gifts to you. And those stay with you. They're part of who you are. I'm a leader, so I lead. I am a, <laughs> I'm a teacher, so I talk. And I can talk for a long time. And I manuscript because I can actually make a four-hour talk, 35 minutes, if I'm really, really careful about that. I'm apparently not a gifted worship leader. I'm still waiting for Marley to send out the invitation to that. Here's the point. God has gifted us. And because these gifts are resident and uh, permanent, each of us should work to discover how we're gifted so we can develop skills around those gifts and that we're thoughtful about how to work and serve within our power alley. It makes sense. The best way to learn how to do that is to try stuff. Don't hurt people in the process, but do some experiments. 
And because these gifts are resident and they're permanent, it, it, we need to appreciate those who have gifts that are different from us, even if sometimes their priorities seem to be a little different and they can be a little bit irritating to us. So yes, gifts of the Spirit are resident and they're permanent. And yes, gifts of the Spirit are also transient and given when they are needed. Because the Spirit lives in you, and someone near you has a need, the Spirit didn't decide to bring part of itself to you and say, too bad I didn't bring all of myself, because if I did, I could have used you to meet this need. No, the Spirit, you got all of the Spirit. Our friend Jackie that I told the story about earlier, does she have a gift of healing that's resident and permanent? I have no idea. It could be that the only time in her life that she was prompted to go pray for someone was that day because that woman at the counter needed a spiritual gift to touch her life, and Jackie was the one that was available. In fact, the Bible is clear. It says to earnestly desire the greater gifts And then it doesn't tell us which ones are greater. So what do we infer from that? The gift that the person with you needs is the greater gift. (laughs) If I need to be healed, I probably don't need to be taught. And if I need to be taught, I probably don't need to be healed. The greatest gift is the one that's needed at the time. Here's what the Bible says. Earnestly desire the greater gifts as you follow the way of love. So my dream for you is that you will discover and become more familiar with about those resident gifts that God's placed in you and open this week to the surprises of opportunities for him to use you in some brand new and fresh ways. Well, we had our flyover, answered a couple of questions. Let's wrap it up with this challenge that comes from Peter to use your gifts in service to others. This is what he writes. Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Hmm. My dream... My dream is that every one of you will be open for business this week. In the hustle and bustle of your life and the lives of others, you're going to encounter tons of humans' needs. And in that moment, what we know for certain is that God is going to plan to show his love through you in gifts by his spirit to others. You're a Christian. Let's be open for business. I promised that at the end of the talk today, I would invite an Evergreener to come. In just a moment, I'm going to invite Bill Cole to come, uh, and, uh, and we're going to talk for just a bit about a very tender experience that he is living in right now and had just a few days ago. Uh, Bill came to Evergreen uh, this spring, was a part of Rooted. Uh, many of you were here uh, two weeks ago, and I believe it was the 930 service. He was baptized in water. And uh, received a text from a dear friend uh, while he was being baptized. And the friend, uh, the jokester, said, make sure you hold your nose. Or be sure you hold your breath. There you go. Be sure you hold your breath. Um, As 
Bill comes, I want to tell you that uh, that afternoon he received some uh, really difficult news, and uh, he's going to share part of his story. It takes a lot of courage uh, to come up here and talk to people, and uh, you are a very competent speaker, but everybody out there, Bill, is saying thank you so much for what you're about to say, and thank you, thank you so much that you let Jared pick on you instead of us. I think you want to applaud Bill already, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So with Shad uh, Alexander, who sent you the text, you had a contact that afternoon, and then late that afternoon, you heard the news that he had lost his life in a car accident just two weeks ago today. And you were asked to, uh, to speak three days later at his memorial service to several hundred people. And would you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Shad and what it was like for you to be asked to speak at that service? Yeah, so... I think I'd start out by saying that that day was, you know, a big day in my life. And he was one of the guys that, I mean, he cared enough that he actually sent me a text message that day. And we actually communicated later. And then to find out two hours later that he lost his life was pretty devastating to me. In the world, you know, I, I kind of look at my relationships as a dartboard, right? Some, a wise man told me that it's kind of on a dartboard. And relationships kind of go in and out of that dartboard. Well... Shad was definitely a bullseye guy to me, right? There's only so many bullseye guys that you can have or bullseye, you know, darts that can fit inside there. And he was definitely one of those people in my life that was very, he was, very, uh, he was a very humble person. He had, uh, he had a calmness about him. And if there was two things that I could learn from him, those are probably two great things, his humility and the calmness that he always had. Mm, yeah. So uh, you were invited... Um really hours after his death to speak at his service. And uh, what was that like for you to be one of the few people invited to do that? You know, it, it brought up the validation that we were friends. It also gave me a moment in front of, you know, there was probably five or 600 people at his funeral. It gave me an opportunity to really kind of, you know, honor Shad in a way that, you know, he deserved to be honored. And it also gave me closure uh, by doing that, but I will tell you that uh, up until that time, I didn't know if I could make it through it. But yeah, so uh, that was on Sunday and Tuesday late after night, uh, afternoon. You and I got to meet for coffee, and then you had to had to rush out to announce a couple of basketball games at Century High School. Um, <clears throat> that night, uh, you had an experience while you were on the PA. That was really meaningful for you. So let me start by saying that I just went through the rooted thing. And part of the rooted thing we learn about, you know, the spiritual gifts or supernatural ability that God works within us. And when people were talking about that, I was kind of going, boy, I I don't quite understand that. I mean, that was something that I was kind of like, okay, well, go with it, right? Well, that night, again, about four hours prior to the game, I'm driving home and I'm praying. I'm like, can you just show me Shad one more time? Just tell me that he's okay. You know, he's got kids and, and a wife, and I'm just like, you know, and I'm struggling with it, and I'm meeting with Jared before I go, because I am struggling with it, and uh, Jared was gracious enough to do that. Well, that night, the high school had asked me to read a moment of silence for Shad, because he was in charge of our youth football program. He was a coach for many years in basketball, coach baseball, all that stuff. So I said, great, yeah, I will do that. So as the national anthem of the game... Mm-hmm was concluding, about midway through the song, it was concluding. 
this balloon in the right-hand corner started to fall. Helium balloon. And it was a gold star balloon. Starts to fall. And then as I read the, the moment of silence, which is something that I had prepared real brief, 30, 45 seconds, that balloon rose back up to the top. Now, the one thing about that was, at that time, it, had, it never moved again the whole game. It didn't move in the JV game prior to that. And only during that time did that balloon fall and rise above. And then I, at that point, I just went, wow. And I remember calling you and calling Lydia, and I was like, you wouldn't believe what happened. And now, without a doubt, I was a believer. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> So uh, you are uh, a confident guy, and you have natural abilities that you've developed in speaking. Um, You're asked to do something that stretched you beyond that as well this week. And I think one of the things that I heard from you that you might share is uh, how others expressed how they were benefited from your words at the service. So on that day, obviously, I'm preparing my speech, and, you know, I'm not a real, you know, I guess technician of speaking but the reality is I had to prepare this thing and at the end of at the end of the service there were many people that came up to me and said you did a great job you painted Shad in a great light thank you for doing that thank you for honoring the family was happy and um, this one gal who serves public office for our community uh, she came up to me and she said first of all who wrote your speech Mm. and I go you know I, I, you know, obviously, I had help in writing that speech, right? Because that wouldn't normally be something. Um, but yeah, just people, advers- if maybe an adversary or whatever just came up, and at that time it was just there was no doubt that I had a, you know, and I delivered it. I didn't have any problem. There was no tears. I mean, I just delivered the message, mm-hmm. and I, there was no doubt that uh, God was working within me to right. to deliver that message that day. Thank you, Bill. Would you say thanks to Bill? One thing we know about this week that's coming up is that we don't know what's coming up. Yeah. You have no idea who might be over there, that stranger. You'll have that prompting that says, why don't you just go over and be nice? Be nice in my name. Acknowledge and listen. This is a week that you're going to be around people that are sick and they need to be healed. They're lonely. They need to be listened to. They're in pain of loss, and they need to be encouraged and comforted. They are discouraged, and they need to hear a good prophetic word. They are confused, and they need to hear that sentence of God-inspired wisdom. They are without, and they need to be cared for all around. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and in the moment... God is going to bring you with people for you to serve. Peter said it this way. If you're going to speak, you might as well speak the very words of God. If you're going to serve, you might as well do it in his strength. You're a Christ follower. The spirit lives within you. We're going to invite his fresh fullness today and watch out. Good gifts are coming your way this week to re-gift and send on because these gifts are for others. But God has designed for you this week to make a difference. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for Bill, 
for his friendship with Shad, for his being honored and trusted friend to speak at that service, and for how you helped Bill, Lord, with words to say, keeping it together as he delivered in a way that was profoundly helpful for others. Lord, we ask that you would come into our lives. And if we, like Jackie's new friends today, are just coming to faith, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would come to live your life in our lives. And all of us invite you today, Holy Spirit, to baptize us in fresh and full and powerful ways. May gifts in our spirit, Lord, be renewed and fanned into flame. And would you use us, Lord, for any good gift that's needed around us. We want to honor you and be of service to others. In Jesus' name, let that be so. Would you say together with me? Amen.